the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith in the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity, the radio show and podcast about real faith for the real world. I'm Richard Mendelo, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelo. And always so grateful to be here. Well, it's the new year, and as we get our feet on the ground, we must know that it's going to be a challenging year. And I believe that to not expect it to be a challenging year is naive and counter to the truth of the Bible. I'm not trying to be a big downer, but I don't want to pretend that uh, if we deploy to Afghanistan, we should expect it to be fun and happy. And so I think there's a lot to be said for having your expectations set. By the same token, I was in a squadron a long time ago, and there was this one guy who was such a downer, and I told Christy about him. <laughs> I know and it's coming. <laughs> we all had call signs, and his call sign was Eeyore because he was oh, like Eeyore. From, no. And I'm telling you, <laughs> when we would brief for a flight, his briefing may as well have sounded like, oh, well, we're probably going to crash. <laughs> so I'm not trying to be like that, but I do want to set the correct expectations. And that is is that there is nothing in the Bible that promises that our faith will be easy. In fact, the Bible actually promises hardship. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So take up your cross daily means that we expect hardship. Our Lord and Savior was persecuted and we should expect no less. That realization is critical to being prepared for the spiritual battlefield in 2024. So, 2024, it will bring a presidential election and all the nasty politics that promises. 2024 will bring economic challenges, geopolitical challenges, social challenges, legal challenges, and challenges within the educational system. And you can rest assured the news media will attempt to pour fuel on every fire and force the ways of the world down our throats. So, again, not trying to be a downer, but that's just how it is. So, the issue is for us to prepare ourselves to be peaceful and joyful in the love of Christ, not in our own strength, but in Him as we seek to bring light to this dark world. Amen. So, we will be challenged at home, at work, and anywhere else we go. As Christians, we'll be called upon to participate with effect in all manner of conversations and challenges to our faith. 
And I mean that we're supposed to participate with effect. We're supposed to bring light to the darkness. Make no mistake, as the world seeks to bend us to its perverse and futile ways, we will be called upon to stand firm in the truth of the Bible. Today's guest has experienced these situations. Jacob Kersey is a former police officer who was called to make a choice between the ways of the world and his faith, and he courageously chose his faith. And his story played out on the national news, and it's a reminder to all of us that as followers of Christ, we can expect to be persecuted, wronged, and to struggle. We're honored to have Jacob with us on the show today to discuss this and so much more. Jacob, welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I was reading through Jacob's bio, and he does all kinds of interesting things. He Make, really does. God bless him, and Jacob. And with a heart, uh, a heart of God. I hear, I hear your heart for Jesus. Let us pray together before we get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and for this time. We thank you for this new year and pray for your blessings on our listeners, on our guests, and on our nation. Father, it'd be easy for us to ask that things around us were different, easier, less contentious, and more godly. At the same time, we know that such thoughts are not realistic. As Christians, we pray that our calling is to stand firm against godlessness and to shine a bright light a loving light, and a compassionate light into this dark world. Help us, Lord, to stand firm by faith in the truth of your word as written in the Bible. Let us not wish for a different time, but rather let us embrace this time as it is, with courage and in total submission to your truth. Let your word be our guide in every matter, small and big. May this new year be shaped by the strong voice of Christians speaking your word into every area of their lives. And may it be a year of renewal and rededication to the things which you hold dear. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, Jacob, wonderful to have you with us. It's actually been a long time that we've been planning to talk to you. And I wonder if we could just start with a little background on how you became a Christian. Yeah, absolutely. That That is... Uh... <laughs> the most important part of, of my life. Uh, that was my upbringing and, and what God did in my life at a very young age. And I always think back um, to it and just how grateful I am. You know, so, much, so, so much of my, and everyone who, who's young, so much of your life as a child is out of your control. You don't, you don't choose your parents. You don't choose where you live. You don't, you don't choose what you wear. A lot, a lot of things are just given to you. And so when I think about God's provision for me, in my young age, even though I grew up in a broken home, just the things and people that God provided for me. I'm just so grateful and recognize his grace at a very young age, and you, and you see God preparing you for things down the road by what he's doing there. But I'm uh, from Georgia, a, a Georgia boy, born and raised in, in Savannah. I was kind of raised in the, the area there. And as I mentioned, I grew up in a broken home, which I'll come back to and, and speak more about later but I was raised by a couple there um, in the Savannah area that had no relation to me. Um, my mother um, had guardians, uh, legal guardians assigned to me. And so this couple, whom I call my Mimi and Papa, uh, they raised me for the first eight, nine years of my life. 
and they took me to a, a local Southern Baptist church, which was on the s- same road that we lived. Very convenient because you could could walk to church, and in Georgia, where the, where the weather is warm pretty much year-round, <laughs> you get a, get a few days here and there where it drops down to 30 or 40. Uh, but for, for most, of the, most of the time, it, it is nice and warm. You can walk to church. Um, I was able to go to Sunday school. You go to, you go to vacation Bible school. You go to all the things. But around age seven, by the work of the Holy Spirit, I began to realize that I don't have a relationship with God as a result of, of my church attendance or because my, um, my guardians attend church or even my, my grandparents on my father's side, they attended church. They were Christians. It's not because of all the Bible stories that I could recount, but it was a faith that must be my own that's brought about by the work of the Holy Spirit to remove my heart of stone, as Scripture calls it, and replace it with a heart of flesh, to give me desires that are not innate to my, to my sinful nature that, that we're, we're born with because of Adam's sin. And it, it's owing to a work that the Spirit of God brings about. And so around age seven, because of this truth, um, I place my faith and trust in Jesus, depending on him completely, um, to save me, to become my Lord, um, and I've been following him ever since. And, and that, that second part, him becoming my Lord, not just being my Savior, but becoming my Lord is a daily thing. And, I, you know, every single year there, there were new things that I learned about what does it mean for Jesus to be, my, to be the Lord of my life. And I have to revisit that every single day I wake up and have that, that old man try to come back to life, but to put him to death and follow the Lord Jesus. And so um, just so grateful for the, the young years and how, you know, going to church and the truth that I was taught there, um, not only did God reveal himself to me as my Savior, my Lord, and I put my faith and trust in him, but there was so much that he was building there that I've just seen play out in so many other areas of my life, especially, you know, we talk about Sunday school and the Bible stories there. I've seen the way God's used that and built upon that in other areas of my life. That is a fantastic story, and you hit on something so important that daily we have to submit to Jesus as Lord. And I've always pictured every morning when I get up and I report for duty, I picture this long medieval hall, and I walk down this hall and I kneel before Jesus, and I submit to him, and I ask him for my orders for the day, and then I try to go do that during the day. And we have to remember that a Lord is the one who makes the rules. And so there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who are not submitting on a daily basis to the Lord Jesus. And we all like the Savior part, but we don't like the Lord so much. And uh, I love that you said that, that we all have to daily bring ourselves uh, to that. And I think it's interesting, at least the distinction I heard was that this was your relationship, Jacob, with Christ versus your guardians or what any Bible study said, and that's something that we may miss, that this is a one-on-one relationship with your Lord and Savior. It's not something for someone else to do. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So how did you get from there to law enforcement, Jacob? Well, around age age nine, um, my father received custody of me, and he was a truck driver, and so um, I went to live with his parents, my grandparents, who were also believers, and they took me to their church, and so I went to church with them, and just God providing, once again, continuing to, to put um, family in my life that, that believed, 
Um, but as I mentioned, my father got custody, so there was this custody battle that, that I, I grew up, and I didn't understand a lot of it as a, as a kid. I, I knew I went and visited with, with my father on weekends occasionally, um, and I knew my mother and father didn't really get along. Um, hence, there was a lot of law enforcement involved in this custody battle, in this you know dispute. And any time there was, there was chaos, um, or people were arguing or fighting or doing things um, that just you know confused me, Law enforcement would show up, police officers would come, um, and they would bring peace to the situation. They would stabilize it, but they'd also come by and encourage me. There were multiple officers who had encountered me multiple times over the course of this custody battle, and they would come over and they would they would give me a, a fist bump. They would check on me. Sometimes they would even come by where I was living at the time and just see how I was doing, not because they got called there, but they, they had time and they, they would come by. I didn't really understand you know, the fact that, that they didn't have to do all that extra stuff. You know, they had to come and respond to the call, and, you know, and handle the call and then go back and service. But the, the extra things they were doing for, for this boy that they didn't know from Adam, when I became a police officer, I realized they were going above and beyond the call of duty to come by, give me a fist bump, to come by, check on me, to let me look inside their patrol car, to let me see the lights turned on, to, to see the back, to, you know, open the trunk and just encourage this young boy who was going through a difficult situation. So childhood encounters with law enforcement put a huge role in that. And then when I was about 15, 16, I became a police explorer with the Savannah Police Department there in Georgia where I, I got some hands-on kind of training with, with law enforcement officers, and that ultimately led me to when I was able to be a police officer in the state of Georgia, um, I joined up and joined a local police department and uh, went to police academy and had the opportunity to serve my community in, in that capacity. I love that story. Most people uh, want to avoid the back of a police car, but apparently you enjoyed it. <laughs> so uh, that is, uh, in all seriousness, a brilliant, a brilliant uh, story about how what we do goes so far beyond us, those officers taking that time, sowing the seeds for uh, a young person, and how their personal efforts going above and beyond. Um, friends, I hope what you're hearing is that this is an extraordinary man, uh, a man with a great heart that was shaped in adversity and didn't become a victim to that adversity, but rather took every opportunity with the help of God to be shaped so as to become an instrument of his will. And here he is Years, years, and uh, years later, a blessing, a blessing to the community. And we're going to learn more about Jacob Kersey when we come back in the second segment. Please stay with us. God's Word says that He loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that part of Scripture often quoted when it comes to tithing. Friends, we'd like you to consider your cheerful giving to God through Courageous Christianity. With your tax-deductible donation, you will be helping us achieve our mission to equip Christian men for the spiritual battlefield in order to glorify God and create godly change. No amount is too small. You can make a donation by texting any amount to 281-800-4940. That's 281-800-4940. Or visit CourageousChristianity.today. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of host Richard Mindelow's book, Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will equip you in your walk as a courageous Christian. 
If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate and find more information about the Courageous Christianity Ministry, links to all the aired shows, a blog for Christian warriors, and an opportunity to submit prayer requests at CourageousChristianity.today. Please donate and be a part of sustaining our efforts in serving our Heavenly Father by serving His warriors on the spiritual battlefield. Please text to donate at 281-800-4940 or visit CourageousChristianity.today. God bless you. In His arms He'll take and shield thee. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. A very special guest today, Jacob Kersey. And I have wanted to speak with Jacob for right around a year. Yeah, I was talking to Jacob on the break, and I was re- realizing that it was about this time last yep. year that we were talking about Jacob as a courageous Christian on the show. So, Jacob, I don't want you uh, to no longer fit inside your hats because your head gets too big, but <laughs> I'm telling you with all seriousness, uh, last year this time, just hearing about your story on the news and... Uh, I know news stories rarely get anything exactly right, but I think we got out of it uh, what was at its core, which was a Christian man standing firm in faith. And so, yeah, I wanted to talk to you for a long time. And so, friends, we met uh, Jacob in the first segment, and he told us a little about his upbringing. Uh, Great story. I enjoyed hearing about the law enforcement professionals who were a part of that and um, now I'm wondering, Jacob, if I understand correctly, you're with the FRC and First Liberty. How did you come to be there? Yeah, so I currently serve as a Family Research Council Actions um, Operations Coordinator. I am speaking today in my own personal capacity, uh, but Family Research Council um, is a public policy, Christian public policy organization here in D.C. Family Research Council Action is a 501c4 nonprofit that was founded in 1992, and it's uh, Family Research Council's legislative affiliate. Um, and so basically what we do is seek to educate and influence elected officials on Capitol Hill um, and all across the country. And we have a large grassroots network that God has blessed us with to, to activate and mobilize on behalf of faith, family, and freedom. So that, that's what I do currently. Um, but I, I did not expect at all <laughs> to be um, working in D.C., living in D.C., or doing this kind of work anytime in the near, in the near future. Um, you know, I was a, was a police officer, and that, that's what I wanted to be. Um, and I was a police officer for the Port Wentworth Police Department, and I um, joined um, in May of 2022. Um, and I went to police academy over that summer, and uh, that fall um, I, I graduated police academy, and um, you know had a ceremony. The, the awesomest feeling in the world, uh, just to walk out um, in the uniform of, of of those same uniform as those individuals who. You know, you you watch growing up. They show up to your house, and they they were just so encouraging to you, and they were so cool to you. And now, like, you know, you're walking out, and you're wearing that same uniform. And you, there were officers um, that 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 I knew as a child um, 
that now <laughs> like that worked at my police department and worked at police departments next door and they they were there at my ceremony and they got to see me and so that was just such a an amazing experience and uh i i worked at the police department um you know gra- finished my field training which is where an officer goes and rides with another um with a with a sergeant and and you get trained on the job and so finished that and was on my shift and ending the year on a high note, everything was just going extremely well. My, my police department and my command staff seemed to love me. I was getting along with everybody. It was really getting a um, hang of the job. It was super important to me to 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 make it, um, you know, because I had all these individuals who had watched me grow up as a, as a child. And so, you know, I really wanted to follow in their footsteps, but I also wanted to, um, you know, really live up to, you know, they're supporting me. I want to do a really good job. And so um, I – Worked hard and, and finished the year strong, and, and finished my FTO. Was placed on my shift. So the 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 year, the new year, 2023, brought with it so much potential. And I'm, you know, we're we're having this conversation at the beginning of the year. So a lot of people are thinking, you know, kind of with this mindset. You know, you've left last year behind. You're entering a new year. There's so much opportunity, so much potential this year. Um, and January 3rd, my entire life. <laughs> And year changed. Um, I was off the day before on January 2nd, and normally what I would do when I was off, if I wasn't volunteering at some local historic sites, which I like to do in my free time, um, I would be at home and I would I would read. So that day I was reading a book um, about marriage, uh, and I, I made a Facebook post, kind of not verbatim of that book, but just kind of along the same concepts when you're when you're reading scripture and based on that book. And and I, I wrote this. God designed marriage. Marriage refers to Christ and the church. That's why there's no such thing as homosexual marriage. The following day, um, I I went to court that morning. Um, I was serving as one of the uh, officers at the court. And I come home, um, and I'm at home, and I don't even remember what I was doing, but I I got a phone call. I I thought I was being called into work. You know, maybe someone had called in sick, and they needed someone to come in and help. That's what I expected. Um, and I was told by my, my patrol supervisor, my, my sergeant, that someone had complained about my post and that I would need to remove it um, due to separation of church and state and the liability that the police department could have because I said that. And I was just shocked. I, I almost – I didn't really believe what I was hearing, and, and I um, immediately just knew I, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't remove the post, and so I told my sergeant that. I said, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I don't, I don't think I can remove this Facebook post. That is a deeply held Christian belief of mine. Um, what, what do I need to do? I, I mean, I don't want to cause, like, trouble here, but I, I don't think I can remove it. He said, well, um, just be aware that if you don't remove this, it could lead to your termination, and we really don't want that for you. But uh, if you don't think you can remove it, um, you can call lieutenant. So that afternoon, I called my lieutenant, and he told me that the uh, police department did not want to be liable for a use-of-force situation, which involved myself and a homosexual or transgender individual. Um, but I, I told him, I, it's, it's, if I do my job um, professionally and I interact with people of all different walks and lifestyles, whether they be LGBT or, or, you know, even if they're, if they're atheist, Hindu, Muslim, they don't agree with me on anything. 
um, if I respond, handle the cause I'm supposed to, and I act professionally and I do the job the way I've been trained, why does it matter that I have this deeply held religious belief? And I even pointed out I've in- encountered multiple individuals of the LGBT community in my time already, and there, there has not been an issue. He said, well, you know, we're, we're all Christians here. Um, let me talk to the major and let, let's see what we can do. He hung up, and very soon after he hung up, I got a phone call from my major, and it was very, very brief. Um, when I picked up the phone, he said, hey, turn in everything that belongs to the city when you come in for work tomorrow morning, and he hung up. So I was left with the entire afternoon to contemplate what all that meant. And I knew in my mind I, I'd been fired. I'd been let go. You know, when you're, when you're told to turn in everything, I, I knew police officers. Um, I, I've watched enough shows. I knew that if you're told to turn in everything, you're done. And so I, I got a box and I packed all my uniforms and I went outside to my patrol car and I I put everything in the back of that patrol car and uh, went inside and I prayed. And I, I called my, my pastor and mentors and was just trying to wrap my head around this situation. The, the next morning, I, I, I go in and uh, I turn in everything. And then after I turn in all my, my equipment and I park my patrol car and I hand over the keys, um, my lieutenant tells me I'm going to have a meeting and I'm assuming this is just, you know, they're going to give me separation paperwork. Um, and I entered my chief's office and my chief and major and captain and lieutenant were there. And they told me, um, and this is the first time I'd heard about it, they told me that I was being placed on administrative leave while the city investigated to see if I could keep my job. And then, you know, they, they began to just shower me with compliments, tell me, you know, you're wise beyond your years, you're an old soul, we brag on you to people all the time, to other agencies, but you can't post things like what you posted. And then they begin to question, you know, why did you do it? Um, what, you know, what, what other beliefs do you have? You know, do you believe uh, that adultery is a sin? Do you believe that fornication is a sin? And so there's a lot of questions about some of my other beliefs as it relates to human sexuality. And uh, they, they just told me that, you know, about th- halfway through this meeting, about 30 minutes in, um, that, you know, I have a decision to make, um, that I can remove um, the post, but if I don't, it could lead to termination or corrective action for insubordination. Um, and I simply said, look, I, I cannot in good conscience remove this post. I was off duty in my own personal capacity. You know, I'm not pulling someone over on a traffic stop, finding out they're LGBT, and then I start preaching the gospel to them while I have them pulled over with blue lights flashing and showing them my badge. That was not at all what was happening was off-duty, expressing deeply held Christian beliefs in my own personal capacity. Um, when my chief realized I, I wasn't going to remove the post after they had been, you know, asking me questions and giving me opportunities to, to, to change my mind for about 30, 30 minutes to an hour, he grew extremely irate. He told me that, that what I posted was the same thing as saying the N-word and F all those homosexuals. And he said, you just need to get out of my, my office. Um, and, you know, you're being placed on administrative leave. We'll let you know what happens after the investigation. So that ended my time there on January 4th. I went home, and for a week I was on administrative leave. And then I came back on, on January 11th of 2023. I had a meeting with, with my major and my captain, and 
this is when they informed me that I was not being terminated, um, that I was off administrative leave, uh, that the investigation found that I violated no policies or rules, but that I would receive um, in writing the reason for the administrative leave, the results of the investigation, and a final warning letter with new parameters of social media conduct that they expected me to follow, which they told me in the meeting means that I'm allowed to post Bible verses, I can share scripture verbatim, but I cannot give opinions about the scripture that's considered offensive. And if I was to say there's no such thing as homosexual marriage or God designed it to be between a man and a woman, that I would be asked to resign, and if I did not, I would be terminated. So what they gave me was an ultimatum. You agree now, you will not offer any of your offensive Christian opinions on scripture, uh, on social media or otherwise, or you can be terminated or we'll ask you to leave. So wow. that, that was uh, what took place last year, and ultimately that led me to um, Family Research Council and First Liberty when, when I began to uh, share the story. That is an amazing story, and there's so much in it. Friends, uh, I hear heartache for this young kid who was so led to become a police officer. I can't imagine how hard those days were for you personally, nights without sleep, thinking about God's plans. And we're just looking forward to hearing more of it. But mostly we just want to admire you for your resolute faith. Stay with us, friends. We'll be right back. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine, and now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mendelow, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, since we launched this show, Christy Mendelow has been my wingman on Courageous Christianity. To our message of Courageous Faith, she adds her invaluable perspective as a transformational coach. She's the walking embodiment of courage and compassion, and she brings this to bear on those going through divorce in her own show, The Divorce Coaching Hour, which airs Saturdays from 1 to 2 p.m. right here on 100.7 KKHT, The Word. For those who are struggling in their marriages, she brings hope with guests who speak to the myriad counseling options available. For those who are going through divorce, she offers invaluable technical assistance. And for those who are coming out of divorce, she delivers a unique perspective on the opportunity for growth and change. If you are, or a friend or family member is, struggling in a marriage, contemplating or going through divorce, you need a wingman. You'll want to tune in each Saturday to hear from Christy and her guests. One thing is for sure, as I have learned over all the shows on Courageous Christianity and personally, you can count on Christy for truth, for a faith-based perspective, for compassion, and for insightful guidance. Tune in each Saturday. She'll be there for you as well. 
Don't miss the Divorce Coaching Hour every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 100.7 FM, KKHT, The Word. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we have an incredible guest, Jacob Kersey. He's telling us his story about being a police officer and being challenged in his uh, right to his faith and then where that has led him. And what's so ironic to me is we live in a society that tells people you can be whatever you want, provided you're not a Christian. And you can call yourself whatever you want. You can be changed into whatever you want, just so long as you're not a Christian. And I've had uh, on-the-job experience with this sort of thing. And uh, listening to Jacob's story, it's uh, just an amazing story, Jacob. So you were just to the part where um the family research council first liberty is uh entering your story is that correct yeah so in january after my department gave me this ultimatum you know resign now or you can you know be fired later if you if any if anyone submits a complaint about your um hostile christian offensive christian beliefs um when they gave me that ultimatum um I had to make a decision. Am I going to go back to work and work in this hostile environment where I'm supposed to be, you know, serving and protecting the community? Um, and there are a lot of calls that police officers get called to. You know, you never know when, when the call can go south, and you need to know that your department, your fellow officers, your command staff have your back in those moments. But also for the city's sake, you know, there doesn't need to be a lot of this, you know, political back and forth going on within the department um, when you're supposed to be out there serving the community. And so um, I made the difficult decision on, on January 17th to, to formally resign from the police department. When I went in that morning, I was given a letter of notification um, from my from my captain. Um, the letter was actually from my major. My captain gave it to me. And I informed him that I did not feel comfortable signing this until I was at least able to read the department's new social media policy. And I, I was told um, by him that he did not expect it to be ready anytime soon and that I neither I either needed to report back for work tomorrow or just go ahead and decide what you want to do right now. And so made the very difficult decision to re- resign that day. And ultimately, you know, when I resigned, um, you know, I, I had friends and, and family and mentors who, who all knew about the story, and God placed people in my life um, to really encourage me in this moment, to, to, to advise me, and through prayer and His Word, I, I realized God was, was setting this story up um, for greater purposes than, than, than what I would ever have in mind. And, and someone I knew, worked at the Daily, Daily Signal, Virginia Allen, um, shared the story, um, on the daily signal, and then from there, God just used it in such amazing ways. One of these is God brought First Liberty, uh, a legal organization dedicated to defending religious liberty for Americans, into my life, and they would represented me, they advised me. Um, um, First Liberty s- stood beside me and helped share the story, which exposed the situation. They sent a demand letter to the city of Port Wentworth, explaining how the law protects people from discrimination. Um, and the police department absolutely um, trampled on my First Amendment rights by censoring private religious speech. And so First Liberty got involved and, and, and defended me here and, and spoke out on behalf of me. But it also brought a Family Research Council 
into my life as well. Um, someone from Family Research Council gave me a phone call um, asking me to come on and, and, and share my story on Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, which is a daily television broadcast um, that, that Family Research Council does. Little did I know that the same individual who called me would later that summer um, be my supervisor as I interned for Family <laughs> Research Council. So God certainly knew what he was doing when he connected all those pieces. Um, I, I thought that would be the end of my involvement with, with Family Research Council. I had so many interview requests coming in, um, I, I didn't expect to to maintain that relationship and that connection. I don't even remember how it happened, how we maintained that relationship, that connection. It was most certainly a work of God because God eventually brought me back to, to intern here, and that in and of itself is a really long story of how I ended up as an intern in Washington, D.C. later that summer. Um, but I ended up at Family Research Council as an intern, and then you know, coming to the end, I had spent the summer really just trying to go back into law enforcement um, in, in, in the area, in the Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia area. Um, there really wasn't anything opening that I, I was um, interested in or that, that, that was working out. And so um, I was like, well, God, what are you doing? And he, he opened the door at Family Research Council, um, and just everything really pointed to it. This is where God wants me to be. And, and so ultimately God opened the door for me to, to, to step into a role and, and serve here. Um, so that's how I ended up being yeah, involved with First Liberty and Family Research Council. Just incredible. Uh, your trust, your faith, and this was a very difficult time. I imagine I can't, I uh, can't imagine how that was for you. It's obvious that God was closing some doors and opening others, and using you for His purposes. And it was your faith that allowed Him to use you so effectively. Uh, looking back on that. Uh, first part, thinking about your faith. We live in a world where everybody says, you can do whatever you want. And yet, as a Christian, we're constantly told we shouldn't do all these things. So it's weird because it's like their right to be them supersedes our right to be us. And it seems to me in a uh, a truly open, understanding, growing, loving world, the people who want special consideration would be especially protective of other people's consideration. And yet that's not how it is, nor should we expect it to be that way because the world doesn't want us. It doesn't want us to hold up the mirror in front of it and say, you're a mess. So your religious beliefs through this period, are there a few lessons that you think you could uh, summarize for us? Yeah, well, you, you talked a little about, you know, the world doesn't want a mirror, mirror shown to them so that you know they can see themselves as they, as they really are. You want to talk about love? You know, there's been so many things that's been that have been redefined in, in American culture today. Marriage being one of them, but another one of them being being love. Um, and so, when you ask yourself, if you start there, what does it mean for me to love my neighbor? What does it mean for me to love those around me? It means that that we speak the truth no matter what. We show them what true love looks like. In, in Romans 5.8, it says, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the truth there is that we were sinners. 
right? There were things that were, were separating us from our, our God, like, right, like the Scripture says. Your sins have separated you from your God, but Christ came, he died once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Love is not merely a feeling or an emotion. It's an action, and it's an action that Jesus took. It's an action that God took when he sent his son Jesus and when Jesus perfectly demonstrated to us exactly what love is when he died on Calvary. And all throughout his ministry, he chose to speak truth in the face of people telling him to to be silent. And ultimately, it cost him his life, but it saved ours. It saved mine. Love compelled the king of the universe to leave the glory of heaven, to come down to earth in a very, very humble state, born to a poor family, born in a, in a manger. There wasn't even room for the king of the universe. And he lived and he died. And he lived to die. Love compelled him to, to step up, to come down, to step stand in harm's way for us that we might have a relationship with him. So if that's what love is, then love compels me to speak the truth and to say, no matter the sin, no matter the perversion, no matter the lie of Satan, whether it's about marriage or whether it's about some other sin in your life, and there's been sins in my life that I'm so grateful that God didn't sugarcoat it and say, no, you know what, that's just who you are. You're okay to keep living that way. I'm glad he told me, no, you're not okay to keep living that way. No, it's not okay for you to have that heart of stone. Here, let me put in you a new heart of flesh. Let me bridge that gap. Let me bring you together with me because of my work on Calvary. Let me give you a new life and show you a new way. I'm so grateful that God did that for me. And so that was extremely important in, in, in the decision I made. But also, it's about why, like, why should we be bold? Right? Isn't it foolish and risky to put yourself in harm's way because of something that Christ taught? Jesus said in Luke 9:26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So the same one who loved us so much that came down for us has said, if you are ashamed of me and my words, I will be ashamed of you. And ultimately, he's saying he will not be that mediator. He will not stand up for us when when, when judgment day comes and God the Father calls upon all of us to give an account. Jesus will stand up for those who are not ashamed of him. Amen. And who proclaim him and proclaim his truth. Amen. Friends, you are hearing some amazing words from Jacob Kersey. We're going to wrap it up in the final segment and hear his thoughts. Stay with us. Recently, Ryan Reed was a guest on Courageous Christianity, and we want you to know more about his jiu-jitsu gym. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is a place where you'll find good people and great jiu-jitsu. Whether you are training to learn self-defense, to get in shape, looking for a new hobby, or want to compete, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Huntsville, Texas has something for you. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com to learn more and to get your two-week free trial. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com today. Did you know that about 25 million Christians don't vote consistently? That's about one in three Christians, and that's a staggering and unfortunate amount. 
Many Christians stay home on Election Day because they think their vote won't really make a difference. But what if 90 million Christians stood united for Christ? We could have a real influence on our nation. God's Word clearly calls us to bring the influence of our faith into every aspect of our lives. We here at Courageous Christianity, along with My Faith Votes, want to see Christians boldly standing united for Christ. My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization that mobilizes and equips believers to pray unceasingly, think biblically, and vote in every election. Now is the time to join with us and My Faith Votes to pray, think, and vote in all future elections. Go to MyFaithVotes.org to learn more about voting your faith and to stand united for Christ. Friends, you've heard an amazing story from Jacob Kersey here on Courageous Christianity. About a year ago this time, Christy and I were on the way into the station and we heard on the radio his story, which he has shared with us. And uh, we talked about him then as a courageous Christian. We prayed for him and to hear firsthand what he went through and how he stood firm in faith. Brings to mind Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, which are some of my favorite passages when Joshua says, Know the Bible, keep this book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night. He says, Do not be frightened, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. And we've heard all of those things in Jacob's testimony. God's being able to use him came from the fact that he stood firm in faith. Had he moved out of the way? Had he acquiesced, had he given in, then we wouldn't be hearing the story and lives would not be changed. Jacob said something in the last segment, which I have in quotes. He said, love compels me to speak the truth. And that's true love and that's Christian love. And so Jacob, I'd like to ask you, love compels me to speak the truth. How does that affect your daily life, your daily interactions? Well, I think first and foremost, it, it means for me to speak the truth about myself um, and just how, you know, how I sin and how I struggle. Because at the end of the day, I, I don't, I really don't want people looking to me for for answers. And, and I'm so grateful for the way that God has, has used this story. But I want them to look to Jesus. As Hebrews said, he's the founder and the perfecter of our faith and they seated at the right hand of God. And so in so much as I can, the way I live and the way I, and the, the things that I say, the things that I do, in so much as it points back to Jesus, then I know I'm not wasting my life. I know I'm not wasting my, my time. And so just to, to, to be truthful here, and this is what I try to tell people, like it, it has been extremely difficult. It's been hard, and I've not made all the right decisions. Even over the, the, the past year, there have been moments where, I've not had the joy that I should have. I've, I've not um, trusted God at, at every single day. There have been days where I've I've questioned. There there have been days where I've I've grown angry, I've grown frustrated, and, and just don't really see what what He's doing. But then I look and I have, I look in the mirror and I look to Scripture and I have to ask myself: Am I am I laying down my life to be a blessing? Or am I protecting myself to get a blessing? And what do what do people have more courage to do? Because I had an opportunity to be courageous and, and to, to stand up. And 
you know, for for me, it wasn't. I, I didn't even really think about it. Like, as I, I'm. Oh, I want to be courageous. I, I was just thinking about it as, like, what am I going to say? Like, when I when I go back to church or when I when I kneel in prayer before God, what's He going to think of me? That's what I was thinking about in the moment. I didn't I didn't think that people were going to look at me one day and say, Wow, that's a courageous individual. I certainly didn't feel courageous. I wasn't even wasn't even thinking about that. But but Paul, the Apostle Paul said, you know, most of the brethren, he said this in Philippians, most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. So Paul, even reflecting back on his time in prison, and, you know, you have to think he's writing some of these letters from prison, he says, wow, I'm seeing the way that God has used what's happened to me to make others far more courageous to speak the word of God. And if that's all this is, if if all this is is to encourage others to go out and do great things for the kingdom of God and it's encouraging them to be courageous, praise the name of the Lord because there are going to be people that are in heaven because some people were encouraged to be courageous and speak the truth of God and to proclaim the gospel. And we're going to be worshiping alongside them in heaven for all eternity, full of joy. And all these moments that I was frustrated and angry and upset here on earth, those are going to look so foolish to me when I have those the perspective of heaven and when I'm seeing exactly what God did throughout all of this. So just trying to be truthful, trying to be honest and encourage other people. Every time I have an opportunity to share this story, look to Jesus. Don't fear. Keep your eyes on him. Take, like, garrison your heart with the truth of Scripture. We're in a spiritual war. Garrison your heart. Make sure you have the appropriate Scripture to be able to combat Satan when he comes at you because he will come at you. He wants to destroy you. He is the enemy who wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Pour into the Word. And in so much as I can do that to encourage other people to do that, um, and then I know that everything that God's been doing through this story, he's using ultimately for eternal, lasting purposes, and that it will not be in vain, it will not go to waste. Amen. Brilliant. Uh, so beautifully put. Um, I was reading Eric Metaxas' book last night, and he said of the church uh, in Germany, when people did not speak against uh, the Nazis, he said, every time we don't speak up, we make it harder for the next person to speak up. And so, mm-hmm. Jacob, you have made it easier for the next person to speak up. And God bless you for that, friends. And that brings us to our moment of truth. In every show, we have a moment of truth where we look at Scripture, which informs the discussion. And today, our moment of truth comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, which say, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God bless you, Jacob. I hear all of that in your story and your humility. Friends, in his very practical advice, Paul is saying that whatever we do, wherever our days take us, to present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice He says this is our purest worship, and you're hearing something similar in Jacob's story. And he explains, no big surprise, that the world doesn't want this. William Barclay's commentary on this passage says this, Take your body, take all the tasks that you do every day, take the ordinary work of the shop, the office, the factory, the shipyard, 
and the mind and offer all that as an act of worship to God. So whatever you do, as Christians, we're called to dedicate our lives to the glory of Christ, Christ the Lord, Christ who makes up the rules, Christ who says, follow me. I think it's an amazing tribute to Jacob in his humility to just say that is all he tried to do. If you think about what it means for us to dedicate our lives to the glory of Christ, in this way we could add to glorify God to everything we do, and it wouldn't be an overstatement if we said, I'm going to work to glorify God. Or if you said, I'm going to the grocery store to glorify God. Everything we do glorifies God, and then people see God, and then they can learn about him, and then they can come to him. And so, by shining that light, we can help others find their way out of darkness. So, without a doubt, our lives are a rich and limitless opportunity to glorify God. Just think about Jacob's story. This is happening to him in Georgia. It's on the news. Christy and I hear it on the radio in Houston and talk about it on that show. And here we are having a conversation. So friends, I hope it is as encouraging to you. Um, just an amazing, amazing story that Jacob shares with us. And I think most importantly... We should not expect the opportunities that we have to glorify God to be early. That's how we began the show. We should expect challenges in 2024. And when we put one foot in front of the other, as Jacob has said, and when we pray to glorify God, and when we hold ourselves accountable, and when we speak the truth, the love that compels us to speak the truth of God, then God will have his way. So friends, let me ask you this, in this dark and fallen world, should we expect our moment-by-moment worship of God with our lives to be easy? I don't. Just mention the word God and the world loses its mind. For this reason, Paul reminds us in the end of that scripture, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And that's courageous Christianity. So Jacob, thank you so much for joining us today. What an amazing story. Please don't be surprised if we ask you back on the show, because I would like to hear more. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. It was a really such a blessing to, to talk with you. And praise God for this is his story. And so I'm just so grateful for the way he's used it to encourage you and your audience. Amen. Friends. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM KKHT, The Word, in Houston, Texas, at kkht.com, or on your favorite podcast app, or on courageouschristianity.today, where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We're honored to walk with you in Christ. We wish you a wonderful 2024. May you walk with God in His power and strength. God bless and simplify. Three stars.
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.